This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Texting to the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Wednesday, July 28th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. What a 48 hours for the Seattle Mariners, huh? The highest of highs, the 11-8 comeback victory over the Houston Astros, and then the lowest of lows, Kendall Graveman, your stud reliever, was traded to those hated Houston Astros, along with Rafael Montero for Abraham Toro, who, to his credit, went yard in his first ever at-bat for the Seattle Mariners, and Joe Smith. They're making moves. Trader Jerry is on the prowl. And I don't think he's done. It's an emotional day. And you can understand why there's a lot of hullabaloo in the Mariners clubhouse right now after the move. You can read about it in the Seattle Times, courtesy of a Ryan Divish article. And you can hear it. Maybe not said by a Mariner, but said by an ex-Mariner, Kendall Graveman, right here, because he's bummed out. Yeah, he's joining a World Series contender, but he liked being a part of something that was being built from the ground up. For me, I told the guys over there, I feel like I'm a builder in nature. Um, whether, not even in the game of baseball, just anything. I like to build something from the ground up and see it flourish, and I think that um, I've invested a lot of time over the year and a half uh, to help Seattle get back to winning baseball and the atmosphere that was here the last five days. So in that aspect, it is a little bit, it's tough, um, the relationships that were built um, to leave clubhouse staff and officers that I know in the bullpen. Um, that's, that's tough. It is tough. And you could see why, even if they won't say it publicly, Someone like Kyle Seeger, who's been here for 10 years. Or Mitch Hanniger, who's going to be here for the foreseeable future, based off of a tweet by Jason Stark, might be feeling on a day like today. Marco Gonzalez, Mariners pitcher, another guy who has been here and I think wants to be part of building something important, posted on Instagram, I really need an explanation for this. The guy who was tasked with delivering said explanation wasn't general manager Jerry DePoto. It was manager Scott Service. Here he is yesterday talking about the trade of Kendall Graveman. It happens to teams around the league. You know, players are moved and, you know, players come in and whatnot, and it takes a little while for it to settle, and um, it'll eventually settle. Um, you know, I know, uh, you know, Jerry spoke to you all earlier. You know, we still have a few days left to go in the trading deadline, and I think we're going to continue to be very active as our goals really haven't changed here. Our goal is to, you know, do everything we can to get this ball club in the playoffs. And, um, you know, like I said, you got to give it a few t- a few days um, until this thing, the dust all settles. More on those few days that we have to wait in just a moment. Service has to deliver the company line there. And I highly encourage you to listen on the Danny and Gallant podcast, which you can subscribe to on whatever podcast medium of your choice, Ryan Divish, who joined us at 9 o'clock, had some really interesting things to say about the way that Scott Service looked. This is a tough spot for Scott Service to be in. I mean, you're trying to tell your team that, hey, you're a bunch of contenders, and he has had to navigate this team through so many just nonsensical stories this year. Go back to the 
infamous Bellevue Rotary Club breakfast where Kevin Mather just went on a boom-roasted session. You know, that is a tough spot for service to be in, and now he has to relay that message to the team. A team that was crying over this. And don't dismiss that. That's that's something that they're going to take some time to get over. And Kendall Graveman, just hearing the way that he described the trade afterwards and how shocked he was, this is the way that the majority of the clubhouse feels. I understand the business of this game. I understand um, how, how things can happen quickly. And I was a little bit shocked, to be honest. But, um, I'm excited to put on this jersey. I've competed against this team for a long time. I know the talent that's on this team. And it's, it's exciting to come lock arms with them for the last two months and, and beyond for Houston. So I'm excited to be here. The way he feels is the way the clubhouse feels. It's probably the way that you feel listening in your car, listening on the 710 app, listening on your smart speaker, watching 710sports.com slash video. But let's pause for a moment here. You probably heard all this set up. You're thinking, oh, Paul, you're about to dump on the trade. Not necessarily. Now, my immediate reaction to the trade was, I don't get it. And I do think that they are getting worse in the short term. But I do want to pause for a moment. You got 48 hours until the trade deadline, right? And you got people, I don't know why, basically jumping off of cliffs right here. And I want to consult one of my good friends, um, Riggs, from a movie called Lethal Weapon, to help me out here. He's got a message for you. I'm jumping! Do you really want to jump? Do you really want to jump? Do you want to? The Mariners' season should not be falling off of a cliff because they decided to trade one of their two best relief pitchers. And you can make an argument, maybe Graben's the number one, maybe Paul Seawalt's the number one, whatever the case. Do you want to cut ties with all the lies that you've been living in, to quote a wise philosopher, third eye blind? Do you want to do that? Because of a move like this. And I ask that not just to you listening, upset about this trade. I ask this to everybody in the clubhouse. Step back from that ledge. You are living a bit of a lie right now, let's be honest, right? I mean, the run differential is something that we haven't seen for a team with this many wins since 1901, at least, if not further back. So, I mean, we might be talking about like the 1800s. where Everyone's got mustaches and baggy pants and disgusting teeth. From a rational, pragmatic baseball perspective let's just walk through this okay this guy pitched his way into a race in the last year of his contract do you want to let that guy walk because i doubt you sign him relievers are so hard to predict year to year do you want to let that guy walk and get nothing in return for him a couple of weeks ago weren't we at least of the idea that this is somebody that the mariners might trade yeah that's the answer Yes, that was something that we were thinking about. All of a sudden, they're playing really well. They've been playing well against good teams, too. And maybe, just maybe, there's a chance that they compete in the playoffs. And I do think that there is some element of, hey, you got to make sure that the guys in the clubhouse are feeling like they have every single resource available to them. Right now, it does not feel like they necessarily have that. I don't know what to make of Abraham Toro. I think he is a slight upgrade for your infield. Joe Smith, eh. 
Tyler Anderson is somebody that gives you a better fifth starter. Kendall Graveman is better than those two guys combined. To you. In 2021. No doubt about it. And losing him is somewhat of a middle finger to that clubhouse. But they got to get over it. This is the first of many departures that we are going to see for this Mariners team in the coming years. And I know, it stinks. It stinks for Kyle Seeger, who's been here forever and now feels like all of a sudden the balloon is being popped. Or Mitch Haniger, who you would like to see stay here. This is probably a strike against keeping him long-term after the end of his contract, after his last year of his contract this coming season. So, definitely lots of things to look at right now and to be skeptical of. And I'm not telling you to not be, but... If trading Kendall Graveman is going to end the Mariners' season, this team was never that good to begin with. And they got to get over it. This is sports. It stinks. I wish it were a little bit more human. But it's not just sports. This is the real world, right? I mean, twice in my radio career, I have done a show within minutes of being told that my co-host was fired. And that my producer was fired. I cried like a baby the second time around. It it was a blubbering mess. It was awful. But you got to keep going. And this is on Scott's service. This is on the Mariners Clubhouse to keep going. Yeah, it's a minor setback right now. And it stinks that he's going to the Houston Astros. But I do not think this is the world-ending trade that a lot of people are portraying it to be. And I think a lot of that reaction just comes from the, the high that we were riding Monday night. And the extreme low that came right afterwards. It's like a trip in Vegas at the very end on the plane ride home. But you can get through it and you move on. It stinks, no doubt about it. But a question for you. When it comes down to it, in the grand scheme of sports, how important is maintaining morale to any roster builder's job? You will get to answer that at 10.15, your chance to be heard. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Load them up. Call me a shill. All you want. Akalon says on Twitter... Facebook.com slash Paul Gallant Sports. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Also, my beautiful hair, 710sports.com slash video. Right now, though, it's 10-11. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with more. With, no, more Dooley's not here. I'm sorry, DJ. I am sorry. I, I'm DJ's, DJ's mad at me. Listen, habits, they just kind of roll off the tongue. You know, it's fine. No, it's, it's fine. not. It's I, I not. Mean, no, it's fine. I get it because, I mean, no one can replace Maura Dooley. But I love you. So, Well, I love you too, man, but no one can replace Maura. Come on now. This is getting a little awkward. It's getting a little weird. Let's go to What's Trending. Thank you. Sorry, I kind of just took the command of your show. No, t- t- do it. You're the producer. You're the producer. Get me through it. I made a brain <laughs> fart after just an awesome, awesome first 12 minutes of the show. So let's, let's, let's move on. Well, some baseball trades. The, as we know, the Mariners pulled off a trade for Pirates starting pitcher Tyler Anderson. And he's we're thinking he's going to slot in as their fifth starter, which they haven't had a consistent fifth starter the last couple of months due to mainly to injuries. He's gone five innings, at least five innings, in all 18 of his starts. So that's good. Of course, now they're giving it to a weaker bullpen, but that's okay. Uh, but also in the division, the Oakland Athletics, according to Ken Rosenthal, sources confirmed they are getting outfielder Starling Marte. He's a 32-year-old mm. outfielder, 306 batting average this year with a 407 on base percentage, Billy Bean is just in love, has to be in love with that, with a 453 slugging percentage as well. Yeah, that helps them out. I mean, they've they've had some real struggles at the plate this year. Matt Chapman looks like an absolute husk shell of himself. DJ, you had some strong feelings 
about the Kendall Graven trade yeah. in the Danny and Gallant radio program. Please share with the class. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it, and it is nothing against Abraham Toro. It is nothing against Joe Smith. It's nothing against them. It's the fact that you traded away a leader on a young team, and every young team in all sports need veteran leaders. Now I know they have Mark Gonzalez, they have Mitch Haniger, they have Kyle Seeger, just to name a few. But you can never have enough veteran leaders. And you know, Paul, you were saying, or you and Danny were saying earlier, Justin Dunn's been on this show saying how much they love Kendall mm-hmm. Graveman. You guys have interviewed Kendall Graveman. You guys have lo- you guys loved that interview. And it's not just about the production. It's about the leadership. It's about the chemistry. And that's why I really don't like this trade at all. I hate it for 2021, to be perfectly frank. And I don't want it to sound otherwise. Though there's a funny text here. This hour brought to you by Kevin Mather. (laughs) No, it was not brought to you by Kevin Mather. Though that is an A-plus roast. I'm not thrilled about it for 2021. But I also know that 2021 isn't the end game. What they have been doing to this point is unbelievable, and I hope it continues. I don't know how to explain it, though. And it's, there's got to be somebody that's looking at this rationally and pragmatically and saying, all right, somehow, let's make a historical example. We're the Italian army in World War II. Somehow we're winning. We don't know how, but we are. That only lasted a short amount of time. Once the big boys got involved, once the Allied powers actually got involved, Italy looked pretty stupid in World War II. Yeah, Italy had a huge run differential, like a very negative run differential. Exactly. The the only way that Italy is going to look good in World War II in alternate histories is if you're playing a board game of Axis and Allies and you just happen to roll awesome when it comes to that. That is the nerdiest reference I've ever made. So this is one of the things that you have to consider when you are a roster builder long term. Is chemistry more important than that? And that's, that's the question of today's show. Lost in all of just the mar- just how great the Mariners have been this year. Seahawks training camp starts today. It does. It it kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And yeah, so they starting today. First practice today. Uh, Jake and Stacy for a half hour version uh, before Mariners pregame. It'll be Stacy and Bump. They will be live from the VMAG. and Wyman and Bob will also be live from there as well with our uh, training camp coverage. So there's that. The Seahawks. Season's almost here, Paul. Football is almost back. It's football time. And guess what, guys? Our training camp coverage is presented by Precore Home Fitness. And I will be talking about the Seahawks in about eh, 15 minutes or so with Brian Nenhauser of HawkBlogger.com. Good buddy. We'll talk about all the things that we're going to be looking for in the coming days at Seahawks training camp. But right now, let's get back to the question of the show. What's trending again? Brought to you by King's Heating and Air. Look, there's a lot of important things that a roster builder has to consider. Where, among those important things, is maintaining morale? Where does that rank in the grand scheme of a roster builder's job? It's there, no doubt about it. But where is it? You get to answer that next. It is your chance to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. I will answer that question right now. It is a priority to maintain chemistry for teams that are established 
contenders. And it's important that coaches and general managers have a really good relationship so they can determine who maybe is fitting in and who isn't. Because sometimes a guy who's a great player just doesn't fit in, period. And when that guy doesn't fit in, even if he's talented, sometimes you got to part ways with him, and it actually ends up making the team better. But it's a priority for teams that are established contenders, because at that point, you've already done all that you need to do necessarily to get to the point where you're a, really con- a, a, a real contender. You're not a real contender right now. This has been an awesome t- season. I hope it continues. It might continue. And honestly, I hope that they shut me the you-know-what up. I really do. I authentically want them to shut me up. I would love to see this continue. I am not someone that's like, oh, I, I need to be right with my sports take for my ego to be um, whole or something like that. I, I don't need that. I really don't. I enjoy it from time to time. I don't want to enjoy this. They're having a great season. I hope it continues. And I'm not asking for anything else. But if you are a realist, you do have to look at the big picture here. And in the big picture, Kendall Graveman helps you for 2021, but doesn't help you win a championship necessarily, unless you're going to decide to extend him to what would be a significant raise this offseason. And I, I don't know that that would be worth it. I also want to say this. There's 48 hours left until the trade deadline. And you know what? Monday, if nothing happens... And if we feel like, even though we probably won't know, if we feel like they didn't do enough, then we will we will come after them. I will join you. But right now, let's be a little patient. I think it's I think it's fair to be a little patient. Maybe 20 years has not <laughs> given you that kind of patience, and I don't blame you. But I would say the last two years for me, I am curious as to what happens next, and I'm not immediately going to say, oh, same old Mariners, what a disaster. Stick a fork in the season. At least not quite yet. 206-421-3776 is how you call in to the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Let's go to Yakima and Kyler. Kyler, what's going on? Hey, Paul. How are we doing this morning? I can't complain, but I know a lot of you guys can. Yeah, it's been a rough go of it as a Mariners fan. Uh, I'm only 20 myself, so I am about the age of our playoff drought. But it's just so frustrating to see, like, the two steps forward, 12 steps back routine. And, you know, hearing Kyle Seeger, you know, wax poetic about how he'd love to be on a winning team for the first time in his career, you know. It's just so hard to hear that from a guy who's been here for so long. He's a leader in the clubhouse. You know he's respected. And then this, it basically just feels like a middle finger from Jerry Depoto saying, you know, <laughs> basically, sorry, we're going to do what we want to do. And there was this quote from David Roth, who writes for The Defector, and he said this, DePoto has long made these trades as if they didn't really matter because they mostly haven't. Doing so again at a moment of sweet and fleeting competitive significance seemed to have always revealed just how little it always meant. And I think that perfectly sums up Jerry DePoto's tenure. I think he just, I mean, a player said this, he sits up in his suite playing fantasy baseball and rips apart our team without telling us anything. And it's like, <laughs> this is a guy that we, I mean, even just two days ago, I would love for this team to extend him and service. But now, I mean, there's some serious questions about how Jerry DePoto can handle a clubhouse and just his vision on how morale matters in the clubhouse. Like, I think this team is going to have issues going forward, learning how to trust their general manager again. Good call, Kyler. You know, when I think about 
specifically, I guess, Jerry DePoto and his relationship with, with the clubhouse, it does seem non-existent. I don't know that him being more transparent with them is going to help things out, really. I feel like he comes down and he says, this is why we did it. There's still going to be a collective eye roll. And I would imagine people would feel the exact same way because they're thinking, well, why didn't you ask us if we could make a trade like that? That's not his job. We're going to talk to Jerry tomorrow. We will ask questions about this because the clubhouse reaction, that specifically is the biggest story that comes out of it. And check out that piece in the Seattle Times about it. 206-421-3776. Let's go to our good friend Robin in Kingston. Robin, let's get to it. Hey, Paul, how are you? Generally, I'm going to say that the Mariners are better off today than they were three days ago. I'm, I'm okay with the trades because <clears throat> I trust DePoto, who um, has said this is not necessarily a competitive year, but it is a team rebuilding in the future, you know, transition into the future. So I don't have a problem with that. But I And I'm 73, so the, I really oppose it. I've seen several teams rebuild in all three sports back from the uh, New England area. So I see what's going on, and, and I've said before that the Mariners, I felt, were a good team, and I felt they're going to be about 500 at the end of the year. They are not 10 games over. And draft-wise, if they were 10 games under, I, in a rebuilding year, would be actually happier about it. So um, the interesting thing, I just look back to the Oakland series where Oakland sort of threw away a couple of games and then, we're, you know, now we have this huge comeback and the emotions are all over the place. And I maintain this that kind of exposes the Seattle market as being sort of an immature um, uh, oh, sports on. market. They don't know how to rebuild, Paul. So anyway, so here's the question to you. Will the Mariners cry their way to a World Series <laughs> oh or will they God. play their way to a World Series? Oh, I know the and answer to that, Robin. got to go. I, 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 yeah, I, know, I, I know you do. I know you do, and that's why I asked it publicly so that you don't have to ask it, okay? I, I appreciate so the phone call, Thanks. Robin. It's a good trade. We're moving forward. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Paul. That's good Robin, job. everybody. This is Robin. DJ's behind the glass, not, not feeling that call, not feeling it at all. Look, to answer that, the immature comment, I disagree with that. Not knowing what a rebuild is, I would say maybe in baseball, that's the case, but there's been nothing to see for such a long period of time. I don't blame anyone for feeling that way. I will say this, though, uh, to Robin's point at the very end, callous though it may be, the spilt milk and, 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 and crying over that at this point in time, that isn't going to help. They have to get over it. This is how it works in baseball so often. That point by, you know, earlier, though, from the defector, I, I, I don't disagree with it. We're, we're going to get back to Tyler and Vaughn at, at, at 1045. But up next, it, Seahawks training camp has begun, and our coverage of Seahawks training camp, which is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. It's going to feature the one and only Hawk blogger. As we look ahead to Seahawks training camp, what are things that we actually can figure out over the next coming weeks? We'll talk about that next. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness... You're going to get your, you're going to, you're going to fail with Paul Gallant. This is long overdue. Brian Nemhauser writes, podcasts, vlogs for hawkblogger.com, at hawkblogger on Twitter. Brian, what's going on, man? Ah, uh, man, it's the first day of training camp, man. It's, uh, it's good stuff. Good to be here, Paul. 
What are you most excited for? What is it that you are going to be paying attention to the most in the coming weeks? You know, gosh, uh, there's there's some pretty big battles and and really big question marks that I think we're going to learn about in the next you know few weeks. I think cornerback has to be at or near the top of that list. Um, I don't think we know even a single starter yet um, for corner. There's some some uh, likelies, but I think that's a pretty open competition. So I think I'd start there. I'm glad you brought that up. I like DJ Reed a lot. I think he's scrappy. I think he has all of the in-between-the-ears traits that you want in a football player. But I know that a lot of his success last year came in the second half of a season where the Seahawks weren't actually going up against very good quarterbacks. And I do wonder at this point in time, on paper, who's the best corner on this roster? We've seen Akella Witherspoon, the new signing that they have, play really well in 2019, but it was a couple of weeks, and then he hit a wall very, very hard. I, I, I'm with you. I don't know who the best corner on this team is. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I really I loved Reed not just because of how he played, but because of the, the edge he played with. I think the Seahawks defense in general you know, does better. I think most defenses do when they play with a little bit of that attitude and swagger. And, and I think he brought that to the, to the corner position, which isn't always the easiest position to play physically, but I, I think he did that. So I think it's a pretty good bet DJ Reed's going to be in there. And I think Witherspoon is a guy that, look, I, I think this could be a, an upgrade over Shaquille Griffin um, mm. for a, a fraction of the cost. And so, you know, I, I'm really interested to see how he plays. I think you got Trey Brown, the rookie uh, out of Oklahoma. Um, you know, he's 5'10", so you think maybe he's inside, but they've talked about him playing outside. And then, of course, you got Marquise Blair, uh, who's one of the – the guys that both players and coaches were talking about as a breakout player last year before he got hurt, and all signs point to him being ready to go this year. So, uh, you know, he's going to be battle Ugo Amadi. Like, there's there's a lot going on in that position, and uh, I'm really curious to see how it shakes out. Marquise Blair is an interesting name to keep an eye on. Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger with me in the sports pit on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline. Between Marquise Blair, who plays nickel corner optimally, but who knows if he'll be in that spot this year, and he's coming off a torn ACL, so I would imagine there's some trust that he has to regain in his knee over the course of the coming weeks. But he's had so many good things said about him, and he did perform really well in training camp last year. On one side, you have him. On the other side, you have Daryl Taylor, who has had so many good things said about him for us not even really seeing him practice much. Who are you expecting more out of this coming season? Well, I think just by the nature of the position, I think you'd have to expect, expect more from Blair. Um, you know, I think uh, the nickel corner, assuming that he gets that role, and potentially even battling with Ryan Neal for a third safety, so maybe he'll, he'll mm. play a little bit of both of those roles, depending on how, how things shake out. I think you should expect him to get a lot of snaps, but... You know, Taylor's just a fascinating guy. I mean, he, he was drafted to be an edge rusher, and now they're playing him at the Sam position and the linebacker position, which is what Bruce Irvin was, you know, probably the best Sam backer the Seahawks have had in, in the kind of Pete Carroll era. And that position does flop into, you know, an edge rusher in certain situations. So it's going to be fascinating to see how he looks. And I think they're giving him a bit of a soft landing because that position generally is only on the field, you know, 
20 or 30 percent of the snaps. So, um, yeah, certainly eager to see him get some snaps and, and see how he's going to, to break out. But I think it'll be probably a, a smaller role than someone like Blair. Jamal Adams, a guy who is ahead of Ryan Neal, who you just mentioned on the depth chart, is at training camp. So that's good. I imagine that he probably won't be on the field. I might be surprised by that. We'll see. But it does seem like progress is being made towards a contract extension, even if it might be, I don't know, a little bit more back and forth over the coming days and weeks. But, you know, two big contracts that are also on the books and in question for Seattle, given the way that they have been discussed by the two players that have them, Dwayne Brown and Quandre Diggs. I'm curious as to how the next weeks go for those two as well. Because with Diggs... I mean, it's very clear what this team is without safety play, given what we saw out of Tedrick Thompson and Lano Hill back in 2019, <laughs> which was uh, suboptimal, uh, to be polite. But also with Dwayne Brown, I mean, look, Russell Wilson's going to get sacked 40 times a year, but Dwayne Brown's one of the best tackles in the NFL and is still getting it done. The problem is, 36, getting up there in age, and you have to wonder how much longer is he going to be able to do it. I guess if you have to make a decision, Brian, between those two guys giving an extension to – Who's the one that you're going to give that extension to first? Oh, it's no question Dwayne Brown. I mean, I think that was one of the underrated and kind of mistold stories of the offseason. When mm. Dwayne Brown said that he wanted a contract extension, the story was, oh, this is a problem for the Seahawks. I saw that as a huge positive because this could be a guy that decides to hang it up. Um, and the Seahawks don't have a left tackle in waiting that is, you know, clearly of the same quality. So, the fact that Dwayne Brown wants to continue playing, the fact that he was a Pro Bowl-level um, talent there last year, and we've seen left tackles in our own division play into their late 30s um, down in L.A. and um, even in, in San Francisco, uh, you know, I think that you've got to find a way to keep him around. I don't think it's going to be a long-term deal, but I think if you can keep him for a couple, three years, that would be, that would be huge. And I think Quandre Diggs, you do have someone in like Blair and maybe even Orion Neal and some of these other mm. young uh, rookies that could potentially slide into safety if necessary. So, you know, I'm not saying I hope they don't sign Diggs, but I think priority-wise, I think you're better situated to, to accommodate his loss than you are uh, Dwayne Brown. Yeah, a lot of options and with Dwayne Brown, who is up there in age. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, you don't have a first-round pick next year either. So where are you going to find that tackle of the future? One last question. Brian, and this, this is not Seahawks-related. This is more just sit back and laugh at a team that's been more successful than the Seahawks the last two years just because it's fun to. So Aaron Rodgers is back at Packers training camp. He had a press conference, and he was being very honest. And, of course, Green Bay's bending over backwards to appease him, trading for Randall Cobb probably four to five years after he was at his best. And on top of that, uh, Rodgers had to this to say today that, um, yeah, if I had been consulted about Jake Kumaro, I would have felt a lot better. A guy who had, like, one catch for 24 yards this past season with Buffalo. Uh <laughs> Who's going to help out Aaron Rodgers more if they were to bring back Jake Kubro or is Randall Cobb potentially going to be an actual thorn to the side of the Seahawks when they go up against the Packers later this year? Oh, man. I, you know, I was just joking about this with, with, with a friend. Uh, and look, <laughs> to answer your question directly, I mean, I don't know that either of those players are difference makers at this point. But I think we're coming into an age where – Quarterbacks are going to assert, you know, more interest and authority uh, on personnel. Our very own Russell Wilson uh, supposedly asked for that this off season, and and certainly Tom Brady has has uh, asserted his authority. And 
So, yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think that <laughs> as a fan, any, any player, um, you know, they have a very informed opinion, but it it's, doesn't have the same breadth as a personnel person and the same necessarily objectivity of a personnel person. So uh, it's going to be fascinating. And, and this Aaron Rodgers situation, he might be there, but I don't think any of us know how it's going to go the rest of this year. That is a tinderbox. <laughs> that uh, is going to be fascinating to watch. I'm hoping that we see a performance similar to the second half and lack of effort that he had against the San Francisco 49ers back in the 2019 NFC Championship game. But that's all we can do at this point in time. We can just hope. He is the Hawk blogger, Brian M. Hauser. You can check out Real Hawk Talk, the, I think, fantastic YouTube series that you guys do, talking all things Seahawks, hawkblogger.com. Brian, this was awesome. Let's do it again soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Paul. Have a good one. At Hawk Blogger on Twitter. Fantastic follow. And look, we'll see what happens over the course of the coming weeks. The Seahawks training camp kicks off today. But I know a lot of you guys want to talk about the Seattle Mariners and where they're at at this point after a trade yesterday that some find distasteful. So the question of today's show in the grand scheme of sports, how important is maintaining morale to any roster builder's job? Your answers via text, via phones, 206-421-3776. Next, right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. My takes on the Kendall Graveman trade. Short-term, stinks. Long-term, back off from the ledge. This is not the end of the world, and if it is the end of the world, then this team was not that good to begin with. And I would say to the clubhouse and to everybody that watches this team on a nightly basis, it's a loss, but... Let's let's take a look at the larger context here. This is a guy who is a relief pitcher who is having a career season that is in the last year of his contract that you were probably going to trade a couple of weeks ago before this recent surge of hot play, and you are getting a return for him as opposed to seeing him walk away in free agency. I get the reservations. I get the questions about Mariners' uh, management as a whole. I get them. But I think that right now, this is the first move. I guess I'm going to believe Jerry DePoto at his word. 48 hours from now, if that is not what we see, if we do not see any corresponding moves or future moves that make this team better, okay, then let's let's have that conversation about did they just sacrifice this year for an unknown in the future. You can make that argument right now if you so choose. But they traded Kendall Graveman. Let's not make him out to be like they, they just traded Ken Griffey Jr. or something like that. And I don't think anybody's necessarily going that far, but... I think we got to relax just a little bit. A couple of texts before we get back to your phone calls at 206-421-3776 on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Brittany texts in, there's doubt about whether or not they got worse with trading Graveman. Honestly, I don't know why you're ignoring that Graveman has been very mediocre since coming off the IL. A 3.95 FIP. He's had like 35 innings of being a good reliever. Let's not make Graveman something he's not. I'm with you in the last part of that. And then Brittany goes further. I will bet you a beer and a shot at the bar of your choice that Abraham Toro will have a higher wins above replacement than Kendall Graveman the rest of the way. All right, I might have to take you up on that one. Um, but, of course, we'll have uh, milk and cookies as opposed to you know anything like that. That's immoral. Uh, another text in, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. And this is an answer to today's question. Where does morale rank as far as priorities for a roster builder? Quote uh, from a text, Jerry DePoto doesn't understand Quote, if it works, don't fix it, end quote. They had no downside to keeping Graveman for the rest of the season. As desperate as the Astros were for relievers, they would have taken uh, Montero without Graveman, I'm guessing. It says Montoya. Uh, 
well, I would I would question that. That wouldn't be good. Uh, the Anderson trade makes sense. Um, the the kids on this team are playing above their heads because of chemistry, not all star talent. Gutting the leadership will set them back. Depoto is a trade junkie and needs to be replaced. He has developed a good pipeline, but will not be able to bring them to the promised land. He likes to trade too much and has another texter writes. He is acting like the kid who hoards Halloween candy and never eats it. I understand those sentiments. I don't think this trade is the end of the world. 206-421-3776 on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Let's go to Tyler. Tyler and Everett. Tyler, what's up? How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, just real quick, uh, not what I wanted to ask about, but so with Trey Turner, I saw that he got put on the COVID list. So is he no longer available for trade then? That's a good question, and uh, we have been diving through that. I, I would imagine yes. I would imagine that that complicates things. Now, maybe there is a false positive or something like that that we find out about in the next 48 hours, but if he's on the, if he's on the COVID list right now, yeah, I would, I would imagine that he will not be able to be traded, and that, that is definitely a bummer for any team that might have wanted to bring him aboard. Got it. Okay. And the next part is with the trade yesterday, I, was, I understand trades like that happen all the time. However, I'm upset with the fact that it was with a division rival and a team that we are chasing. I just kind of feel like that's a forbidden rule in baseball to trade uh, your rival kind of in the hunt. Yeah, that's a, that's so a that sentiment, was... Tyler, that I think a lot of people have. And I appreciate the phone call. I want to squeeze everybody in here. That, that is a sentiment that a lot of people have right now. And I understand that. Another caller um, earlier, he had that same take. It's a bad trade because it's in division and it strengthens the Astros. But are you really competing against the Astros in 2021? I don't think you are. I don't. You're competing with them long term. You are not competing with them necessarily now. You bring in Toro. I mean, Toro hit a home run for you last night. There have been decent returns thus far. Decent. But again, Graven is better than those two combined. Evans and Puyallup. Evan, what's up? Evan. People who need Evan. Tyler just brought up a good point. Um... And it, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was thinking. One, I've never been a fan of Jerry Depoto personally. Um, and I just, I didn't like the trade because I think chemistry, especially in baseball, is important. Um, and do I think Toro could be better than Graveman and the trade could be good long term? Yes. But overall, I think it was a bad move just because, just like what Ryan Divish reported on, people are pissed in the locker room. Um, and I do think we are competing against the Astros. I mean, isn't the goal to win a World Series? Yeah, the goal is their... to win a World Series. But, you know, Evan, I, it's not happening this year as much as I hate to admit it. And I think everyone kind of knows that and appreciate the phone call. And look, I, believe me, I get all the reservations here, but I feel like we're, we are jumping off of a ledge that we don't need to jump off of. I, I think everyone's overreacting just a little bit to it. I get the overreactions, but I think these are still overreactions. Appreciate everybody who tuned in today on the Paul Gallant Show. You just went around the diamond thanks to Shane Company, your friend in the jewelry business. Around the diamond. Brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the jewelry business. I am merely Paul Gallant. Thank you very much to DJ Wilder behind the glass. Brian Nemhauser, a.k.a. Hawk Blogger, who stopped by earlier. And Tyler Lockett, who stopped by. And Danny and Gallant. So long. Farewell. we got some baseball coming up next.